Chapter 23 of What the Boys Did Over There by Henry Fox. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Sunshine of the Trenches by Sergeant E. D. G. Allen, number 475337, PPCLI, Princess Pats, CEF. I had just returned from a long summer's work on a surveying party on the Canadian Pacific Railway, and everyone in my hometown, Montreal, that is, the men, were all dressed in uniform, and the women seemed to be looking at me, and at first I felt uncomfortable and wondered why they stared at me. Then I realized that I had just returned from the brush of the great Canadian Northwest. I knew, of course, that there was a war on, and the boys were going over, but for the moment on my arrival in town, forgot. The boy friends who I chummed with were overseas, and my blood began to boil. I was then nineteen years of age and was quite eligible for service. After a few days at home, I announced to my mother and father that I was going overseas. Both objected and said that I should take out a commission. That did not suit me, and I thought of the quickest way to get over. On my way to McGill, one morning I stopped to talk to two boys in uniform. I asked them how they liked the army and what unit they belonged to. One said, Army life is great. We are university boys to reinforce the famous Princess Pats, and I believe it is the quickest way over. That was just what I wanted, and I asked the boys to go with me to the recruiting office, which they did. Corporal Coat was there to greet us, and it was not long before I was signed up. After all sorts of questions, I was given a small slip of paper with my number on it, number 475337, and a hat badge with Universities Overseas Company, and on my shoulders were letters that read PPCLI, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. I had heard all about the famous Pats, and was, of course, glad that I was to be one of them. It was September 28, 1915, that I was sworn in as a soldier, and I felt fine. We trained in Canada at McGill University for two months, and had it not been for the war, I would have been well on my way as a student of that university. We had guard work to do, physical training and route marching. Then word was passed around that we were to go overseas, and we were all delighted, as none of us wanted to be home guards. On November the 15th, we left Montreal by train, amid the cheering crowds of our friends, sweethearts, and mothers. Two days after, we arrived at Halifax, where we embarked at 5 p.m. on the S.S. Lapland. The people in Halifax were there to mail letters or postal cards for us, which we threw from the steamer. 
at seven p m we set out on our long voyage and as the boat steamed out the band on the deck played when the roll is called up yonder i'll be there but the funny part was that every member of the band was about sixty years old and we knew he wouldn't be there we had eight good days going over and all enjoyed it except a few who treated the fish in the ocean the latter part of november we arrived in england at plymouth and in the rain embarked on a train to our training camp at st martin's plain near shorncliffe as you know we trained there but that will not interest you as much as our time in france so i will skip that to the day we sailed for france at four a m we all fell in and the roll call was taken we marched to the train after having our paybook made up to date we never forgot the paybook or the dinner call a thing that all the boys noticed was that we were to cross the channel from southampton on the s s duke of connaught a fitting place for princess pats other boys said that was luck it was for some of us we arrived at havre france and in the rain marched seven miles to a camp called the central training camp where we spent a few days receiving instructions in modern warfare after the few days in camp we marched seven miles back to havre and proceeded by train to poperinge in those beautiful pullman cars marked forty men eight horses we arrived at poperinge at five p m after spending all night and part of the next day in the cars as we came nearer to our station we could hear the shells bursting and the booming of the guns one could see nothing but heads stuck out of the car windows just as far as craning necks could stretch arriving at poperinge we met a lieutenant who asked the sergeant are you for the pats the sergeant replying yes sir in a very english way the lieutenant said oh very well follow me i know where the pats are and i was sent for you well we followed him he took us four miles the wrong way and back again then we had an extra two miles to the pats quarters he knew where the pats were all right all right now we are with the regiment and i was put in number three company under major charlie stewart who was one good fellow the regiment was out for rest but we worked every night going up the line to do work in the trenches and help the engineers now to tell of one or two little experiences in the front line say about the time of the third battle of ypres the regiment held the line at hooge and we were all university men as the old regiment was practically all wiped out except a handful our major was well liked and a word from him was well obeyed a few days before the big show i was sent out on a scouting party of twelve with lieutenant fife in charge we succeeded in getting over to the german wire 
and i don't know whether the germans got wise to our coming through the sneezing of one of the party or whether the clipping of the wire was heard but we were greeted with first a rifle shot from a sniper then a bomb then a dozen but only two of the boys were killed we moved further up the line and a little closer to fritzy's line there we remained quiet for a few seconds i being near lieutenant fife was asked by him to follow which i did he went up to a part of the huns line that was built of old sandbags where we could look right up the german line as the star shell burst and lit up the place as everything was quiet the boys were anxious to start something so a few bombs were hurled in but in return we had the same amount and had to return to our own lines minus two of the boys it was on a working party that some fun occurred as it always does in the trenches we were moving from the road to proceed up the china wall in the ypres salient which led to the trenches running through the shattered village of hooge when the sergeant major said to me aylin special duty step out i thought i wonder what is coming now after he had the number of men he wanted and all the other boys were up the line he called me and pointed to twelve large thermos soup tanks said see those aylin i said yes sir well he said take them up the line i looked at him and then at the tanks and said shall i take them all up at once or one at a time he gave me one look and said don't get funny this is a soft job for you i said but i can't carry those up he said you must now the soup tanks were about four feet high and about a foot in diameter i said again sir i can't carry that up he a little angry said you must i said i can't carry it it is bigger than i am then he said well a man is to help you so he sent a man whose name was cleary an irishman about six feet two inches tall and as i was only five feet five inches it was going to be rather awkward for us both as you have to put a long pole through the loops on each side of the tank and put the pole on your shoulders the tank hangs in the center cleary being taller than i and the trench mats very slippery we had one blank of a time i was getting the worst of it we slipped and stumbled and spoke about a hundred different kinds of swear words now the china wall ends about halfway up and we then stepped down into the trench just about twenty feet away from the end of the china wall there was a large shell hole and our trench mats which are made of wood went across one side of the shell hole when the shell hole is full of muddy water the trench mats float this night cleary and i happened to pass it when it was full 
it was very dark and i did not notice that the mat was loose as i was leading so upon putting my foot on the mat down it went the hole was about eight feet deep and i felt it going from under me and pulled on the pole soup tank pole and cleary and all followed me into that shell hole when we came up covered with that lovely slimy mud you couldn't tell which was the soup tank then i remembered what the sergeant major had said this is a soft job for you and believe me it was there is one thing i would like to say and that is the boys of the princess pats had wonderful courage and always a good word for each other i can picture plainly our trip over the top at hooge when i went over with the second wave i could see the boys on our left going through a swamp up to their waists in filth ploughing through their rifles up over their heads so they would not get blocked with dirt and when a man met a bullet with his number he would fall backward or forward and disappear under this water and mud just like quicksand it was after a terrific bombardment of our lines i was detailed to fill sandbags in a shell hole beside a communication trench just back of the front lines i was with five other chums when a shell dropped on the far corner of the shell hole which i was facing and the shrapnel penetrated my left shoulder mouth right eye and a small piece in my left leg my chum nelson was badly wounded in the back and i believe the other four boys were buried i never heard if they got them out as i was unconscious but when i was struck i can remember first seeing a green light felt a burning in my eye and a blow on my shoulder as if struck with a sledgehammer i felt myself slide down in the mud and i knew nothing until i awoke in the major's dugout i was told what had happened to the other boys i was then taken to the dressing station and in two days arrived at number three canadian general hospital at boulogne i was blind in both eyes for a month had two operations in france and was then sent to england to the fourth london general hospital denmark hill after spending a few months there i was sent to the ccac canadian casualty assembly center better known as charlie chaplin's this was at folkestone after having two boards they found me unfit for further service in england or france so i was billed for canada arriving in canada on the ss empress of britain at quebec i was sent to the convalescent home belmont park at montreal and after treatment was honorably discharged as physically unfit i trained in the mcgill otc and later came to new york with the british canadian recruiting mission where i lectured and did recruiting work through new york city since leaving the mission i have traveled to the west indies and through the eastern part of the united states 
many of my experiences i have omitted on account of space but i am proud to have belonged to a famous regiment the princess pats end of chapter twenty three